welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. But did you know you're a part of something that's impacting the world? You're a part of something that is worldwide covering this earth and impacting the entirety of humanity. It's because you are now a part of the most significant enterprise that has ever existed. You are participating in the greatest endeavor to ever be undertaken. I don't know if you've studied much of American history or maybe you're into documentary type things, but... The building of the Hoover Dam was pretty incredible. Even things like the, the St. Louis Arch, you just sit back and you think of the engineering and the planning and the work and the effort and even how they had to change plans on the fly to get it all together and to work just to build something like the Gateway Arch in St. Louis and the Golden Gate Bridge and all of these crazy things that we have here in the United States that mankind has built, the Empire State Building and all the other buildings, skyscrapers that reach up into the heavens. It's amazing to think about these great endeavors that have been done by people, but you're a part of something greater than all of that. Your resources and your energy are driving the greatest investment to ever be funded. You go through the drive through at a fast food restaurant and they'll ask you, would you like to donate a dollar? If you want to help your community, it'd be a great way to help your community. But the, <coughs> but the dollars that you're giving to LifeSpring Church, they're helping drive something that's the greatest investment that's ever been funded. You're probably thinking, what is it? What is it? Well, let's go to the Bible. Psalms chapter 45 and verse 12. Psalms 45 and 12. <clears throat> to make known to the sons of men his, capital H, talking about God, God's mighty acts and the glorious majesty of, and this is what you're a part of, his kingdom. You're a part of his kingdom. You can be seated this morning. You're a part of the greatest endeavor ever undertaken by mankind, his kingdom. You're a part of the most significant enterprise ever launched, his kingdom. You are making an impact around the world through his kingdom. We are part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. It's so much greater than we are. It has a magnitude that's almost beyond measure. We can't measure how great God's kingdom is. We can't measure how awesome His kingdom is. You're part of something that's bigger than just two or three gathering together in His name. Let me give you some examples. Here at Livestream Church, we are globally connected. We're connected to missionaries all around the globe. I sat down and wrote out the six different families that we support. We support the Pace family in Austria. That's Europe. We support the Sportsman family in Rwanda. That's Africa. We support the Lucas family in Japan. That's Asia. We support the Barclay family in Chile, that's South America. And we support the Inns family in Vancouver, British Columbia, that's North America. You're making a difference all around the globe. 
Yes, when you give your dollars, it helps them all around the globe. But when you pray for our missionaries, you're making a difference all around the globe. When you're thoughtful of them and, and you carry them to the Lord, you're making a difference all around the world. When we get together and, and we worship God and we're building His Spirit here in the earth, uh, we're making a difference all around the globe. We're even locally connected. I'm personally connected with my pastor, Stan Gleason, and the, the other individuals in my life that have the right to speak into my life, to give me encouragement and to, to help me stay on the straight and narrow. We're connected. We're, we're grounded. You have a pastor that helps you stay grounded. Here locally and in the years that we've been here, we've supported things here in our community. We've supported Victory Mission. We've supported Harmony House. We've supported food harvesters. I'm sure there's other local organizations we've helped out that I just didn't remember off the top of my head. All of these things locally we, we've done, we're impacting the kingdom of God. And we're individually connected. When you gather on Sunday, you're connecting with the body. The fingers and the hands come together on Sunday and work to worship God. The, the foot and the shin come together on Sunday and we work together as one body and, and one voice to worship and praise God. Wednesday we come together as one body to study the word of God and to hear his word. We gather in prayer as one body. We're individually connected to this body, not just in presence but we're in our participation in our presence to service but we're also connected by the power of the holy spirit working in us if you read through the gifts in the new testament it says so and so you can have this gift or you can have that gift or this gift but it's all of one spirit his spirit the power of the holy ghost working in us and through us it's his spirit leading us so you may say why does all that matter? And I would say it's a great question and thank you for asking. I have an answer already put together for you. It matters because the vision and the goal of LifeSpring Church is to make a difference for His kingdom. When we're working for His kingdom, what we're doing is bigger than ourselves. It's significant what we're doing. We may never have a plaque on, on some wall in Springfield that lists our name or the name of our church. That's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for the greatest impact of our presence to be in this city. Now, if we work for the kingdom, it will impact our city. But just because we want to work in our city doesn't mean we're necessarily going to by default impact the kingdom so paramount in our priorities is his kingdom the reality is here at live spring church we are an extension of his kingdom if christ is the head of the body and he is then you and I are the members of the body. Yes, we are. And so we are an extension of him here in this earth. We are the extension of his kingdom here in this earth. So when we pray the prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You tell me how it's going to be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Earthlings are going to do it. Humanity is going to do it. We are the ones that are going to do the will of God in this earth. So we make his kingdom a priority because we are an extension of his kingdom. <coughs> Which is an incredible privilege because we represent almighty king of kings and Lord of Lords. We represent the Most High God. We represent Jesus Christ to this world. Now, if you sit back and you were to study the kingdoms of this world, you would see there are, are several different types of kingdoms. There are many, many kingdoms here in our world. There's, there's kingdoms like England and their monarchy. Anybody follow the queen? 
I know there's some people that just get all wrapped up in that stuff. We got one. That's all right. It's interesting. There are 26 nations in our world that are ruled by a monarchy. The most recognized is the United Kingdom. Outside of England and a few nations surrounding the United Kingdom, the Queen is known as the sovereign over 15 different territories in the world. It's an earthly government subject to the will of man. Parliaments get together. Parliaments of men get together. They make rules. They make laws. They determine the structure and the order of their government and the way their country will be ran. It's a kingdom of this world. There's some other kingdoms in our world. There's, well, Chiefs fans are known as Chiefs Kingdom. It's a kingdom that solicits lots of emotion and to the diehard fans, they give lots of money. Have you looked at a ticket to go to a football game? I had a comment. I'll save it for stewardship Sunday next year. <laughs> People give all of their emotion. People give much and sometimes all of their money to go and participate in an emotionally thrilled form of entertainment. And when it's all over, they're more tired and more wore out and more broke than when they started. It's just an emotional thrill that's only temporary. It always comes to an end. Even when you win a Super Bowl, it still comes to an end. Your emotional high ends. And many psychologists believe that if you go high on the emotions, there's coming a balance where you're going to go just as low in your emotions in response to it. It's an earthly kingdom. It's, an, it's a kingdom built around self and entertainment and pleasure. There's also spiritual kingdoms. We're talking about God's kingdom, his kingdom. But there's also Satan who has dominion where he rules. The Bible says that he is the prince of the air. In Ephesians 2 and 2, Paul calls Satan the prince of the air. Of the air. Now, I guess if you're about titles, that, that would work for you, but who wants to rule nothing? The prince of the air. We must notice the distinction about Satan and his kingdom. The distinction is this he only rules as a prince and not as a king. So even Satan, while he has a realm of dominion in this world, he is still subject to the king. Which king? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. This means he is, his power is regulated by the king. So when your enemy comes and he tries to trouble you, or your enemy comes and he tries to, to, to hurt you or to, to uh, make you despondent in your thoughts, uh, you don't have to worry or stress about it. You're not long, you are no longer part of a priestly or excuse me a princely makeshift kingdom but you are a part of the king of kings kingdom you're a part of his kingdom jesus christ's kingdom and there's no higher or more powerful kingdom than the kingdom of god we're going to look at a few attributes of his kingdom this morning psalms 103 and verse 19 psalms 103 Verse 19. God's kingdom, his kingdom, is sovereign. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. There is no king higher than our king. Praise God. There's never been a kingdom able to rival 
his kingdom. If you are into world history and you want to know more about world history, you can talk to Ed. He'll tell you everything you need to know about world history. But if you've studied world history at all, you know kingdom would rise up against kingdom hundreds, I guess thousands of years ago now. And, and there would always be, like in a region, all the lower kingdoms would fight among each other. But there was one kingdom that, well, we're just not going to go fight that one. They're too strong. That's how it is with God's kingdom. The kingdoms of this world all war against each other. This kingdom wants your attention. This kingdom wants your dollars. This kingdom wants your affinity. This kingdom wants your priority. This kingdom wants your thoughts. And this, world king, this world's kingdoms are all warring against each other. But there's one kingdom that rises above the fray. It's his kingdom. The kingdom of Almighty God. He doesn't have to get involved in the warring of the kingdoms of this world. If I'll set my affections on his kingdom, his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom is sovereign. When the king of his kingdom has all power in heaven and in earth, that means his authority and his sovereignty is extended to his kingdom. If you're a part of a sovereign kingdom, you have authority in his kingdom. Amen. What are you saying, preacher? What I'm telling you today is when the enemy comes against you like a flood, your king's going to raise up a standard against him. And there's nothing this worldly kingdom can do to rival it. Amen. So we admitted earlier we've had a hard week. We're tired, we're wore out, but don't be despondent. Don't be let down. Know that you're still a part of the kingdom that rules and reigns forever. You have authority in this world. If Satan starts pestering you, you could just remind him. I'm not a part of your kingdom. I don't serve a prince, I serve the king. Yesterday I was, yesterday morning I was driving in my truck and the devil decided he wanted to ride along. Brave fella to get in with me driving. He started pestering me and reminding me of this and reminding me of that and reminding me of this. And I just said, get out of here. What are you messing with me about? That stuff's all under the blood. I said, you are nothing but, the Bible, but what the Bible calls you, an accuser of the brethren. You have nothing to do but walk around and accuse people. I don't know, maybe I should pause there. We live in a world that has lots of accusers. <laughs> people that want to walk around and point out all of your faults, failures, and why it's everybody else's fault. Bunch of accusing. And that's just the spirit of Antichrist. That's the spirit of Satan that says, look at you, look at you, look at you, look at you. And points out all the faults and failures, whether they're true or not. They'll just make up stuff. No. Get thee behind me, Satan. I refuse to, bear, to go, go fishing and pull my stuff out of the sea of forgetfulness. I refuse to walk back across that bloodline and live the things that I used to be or who I used to be. I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not a part of your princely kingdom. I'm now part of the his kingdom. So we have authority in this kingdom. When the king of the kingdom resides in heaven and from heaven he directs all the affairs of the universe and his words caused all that is to be created, by default, his kingdom becomes supreme. The Bible warns us that we would come into a time, into a day, where the creation would be worshipped more than the creator. But just because we live in a generation and a society that worships the creation more than the creator, it doesn't remove the supremacy of the creator. He's still supreme. 
His kingdom is still supreme. Just because focus gets off of the creator and has been turned towards the creation doesn't change the authority of the creator. He still reigns as king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? And I'm a part of his kingdom. His kingdom sovereign. Another characteristic about his kingdom. His kingdom is everlasting. We know when Satan's kingdom began. We know when sheep's kingdom began. We know when the monarch of England, the United Kingdoms, began. But his kingdom is everlasting. There'll come a day when the monarchs of this world will end. To the diehard Chiefs fan, I'm sorry to tell you, but there'll come a day when Chiefs kingdom will no longer exist. And there will come a day when he who reigns as the prince of the fowl of the air will be bound in chains and cast into a bottomless pit and his kingdom will end. His reign will end. You tell me you today. These kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of the, the prince of the air will end, but his kingdom will is everlasting. Let's go to Psalms 145, verses 10 through 13. All of your works shall praise you, O Lord. All of your saints shall bless you. They shall speak the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. And then the psalmist begins to describe that kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. Woo! His kingdom will stand for all of eternity. There is no beginning to God and there is no end to God. He is from the beginning and he is beyond the end. Everlasting simply means, this is probably the wisest thing you're going to hear this morning, everlasting. No end. It's eternal. It has no ending. The power of his kingdom transferred, excuse me, the power of a kingdom, excuse me, transfers when the throne is passed to a new king. If you want to study kings and their influence on nations and their power, just study the kings of the children of Israel in the Bible. You can see there were good kings, there were bad kings, there were wise kings, there were foolish kings, there were godly kings, there were ungodly kings. You can find the whole gamut of, of kings and, and their influence and their power and their authority of the throne it transitioned with every new king. But God's kingdom, his kingdom, is an everlasting kingdom. And that's because there will be nobody else sit upon his throne. There will be no day where God retires from his kingdom. There will be no day where God is overthrown from his kingdom. His kingship has no ending. And since the timeline of his kingdom is tied to him being the king, then his kingdom will be everlasting. His kingdom will be never ending. His kingdom is an eternal, everlasting kingdom. So with that understanding, the question that we can retire and quit asking is, so who's going to be the next king? There's not one. There will be no other king. But the question maybe we should be asking, you and I should ask ourselves, and even one another, are you a part of his kingdom? Are you a part of his kingdom? Are you a part of the everlasting kingdom? Let me ask you, will your family be a part of his kingdom? Is your family a part of his kingdom? Are you passing from this generation to the next generation the purpose, the practice, and the participation of his kingdom? 
His kingdom's not going to change. His kingdom's not going away. If you want to be a part of it, get in right now. Right now is the best time to be a part of his kingdom. You can live in this kingdom for the rest of your time. Because his kingdom is never ending. Lifespring Church is having and will continue to have an internal and eternal impact on people's lives for generations to come. That's our vision. That's our goal. That's our plan. You say, well, how and, and why is that happening? We're just, we're just a small church here in the, in the middle of the country. Nobody even knows we exist. Hey, let me tell you something. We are making a difference and we're impacting the world, not because of who we are, but we're doing it because we're a part of his kingdom. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This is the king that sits on the throne. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Woo. Upon the throne of David. And over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. You understand what Isaiah was saying. There's going to be one who's born whose kingdom will never end. There's going to be one who's born who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He will reign as the greatest king to ever reign on this planet, in this universe, in all of the heavens. He is the great king. His government will not just be as, as, as it was in his birth, but his government will grow. His kingdom will grow. How majestic was the birth of Jesus? Mary got a one-on-one -on -one visitation and announcement from an angel. That's pretty spectacular. That's, that speaks to the incredible kingdom that he was being born into. That he was coming to represent is probably a better way to say that. When he was born, people were crying out for peace. When he was born, the people of his nation were crying out for deliverance from the Roman oppression that was around them. And as he grew, that cry and that rally for peace grew. Even to the point of they began to believe that he was the one that was going to overthrow Rome and he was going to set up an earthly kingdom and reign. And you can see just in the 33 years of the life of Jesus Christ, his government was growing. His influence was growing. His kingdom was growing. And his peace was growing. But after his death, burial, resurrection, and then his ascension, it exploded in growth. No longer was it 12 disciples following him and, and multitudes of, of committed or uncommitted people looking for fish and loaves. But it grew into about 120. And before the day was over, about 2,000. And then a few days later, 4,000. And then so many that they quit counting. And here we are living in this day. Millions of people covering the earth have been buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Those same millions of people have been filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues. His kingdom has grown. His influence has grown. His government has no end. And I pray it continues to grow at LifeSpring Church. I pray it continues to grow in our city and our community. We are a part of His kingdom and it is growing. God is passionate about his kingdom. He is determined. His mind is set and his course is established. It's forever settled. God's kingdom will remain. There is no power that will dethrone him. Neither will God resign nor quit 
on his kingdom. He's invested too much into this kingdom. He gave his everything for this kingdom. He's already done everything necessary to establish and set his kingdom in order. It was on what to those watching appeared as an ominous day that he set his kingdom up. From the perspective of the bigger picture, it was not an ominous day, but rather it was a victorious day. Well, yes, Mary, the mother of Jesus, wept at the death of her son. And yes, the disciples were dispersed, wondering who had we followed and were we tricked? Did we fall for the scam? And while some soldiers went home, knowing that they had fulfilled the mandates of Rome... Yes, it got dark in the middle of the day. And yes, there was earthquakes. And yes, the veil was torn in the temple. But what did all of this mean? It just seemed like it was an ominous day. But from the bigger picture, it was a victorious day. Because it was on that day, with his own blood, God signed the contract that said, Now it's my kingdom. Nobody else has rights to this kingdom. I've purchased it with my blood. I've purchased every person in this kingdom with my blood. They no longer have to rule under the curse of sin. They no longer have to be a slave to sin. I paid the price so that they can enter into my kingdom, the greatest kingdom to ever live, the most powerful kingdom to ever exist, and a kingdom that will never end. They are now a part of my kingdom. It wasn't just King David who we've read some of his psalms today. Or it wasn't just the prophet Isaiah that envisioned the kingdom of God. Let's look at what Daniel said. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3. How great are his signs. And how mighty his wonder. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. It just keeps going. I struggle with the next statement I'm going to tell you today. Because you should live like you're the last people to ever live for God. But at the same time, you should be living with that much passion and zeal, but at the same time, passing that passion and zeal to the next generation. Because his kingdom's never going to end. There's always going to be somebody a part of his kingdom. It might as well be you. It might as well be your kids. It might as well be your grandkids. It might as well be your nephews and nieces. It might as well be those that are a part of your family. It might as well be your family passing on the kingdom from now into tomorrow. And we'll keep passing it on until he calls us out of here. And then his kingdom will continue to grow. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. Here's what King Nebuchadnezzar had to say after he was humbled by God. You know the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. His pride was welled up within him and he looked all around Babylon and he talked about all of the beautiful things that, that he had done in Babylon and all of his successes in Babylon. And God said, oh, hold on just a second there. Your pride has swollen beyond its banks. And it ended up being prophesied and it came to pass that King Nebuchadnezzar became as though he were a beast. And he ate in the field and he roamed in the field as a maniac. And after his time of his humbling past, Here's what he said, Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3, when he came back to his right mind, 4 and 34, excuse me, and at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. 
and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Oh, the king who said, I did it. The king who said, I'm the big one. The king that said, look at me and all of my success in his moment of humbling said, no, don't look at me. Look at him. Look at the one who reigns on high. Look at the sovereign one of all humanity and all of the heavens. Look at him whose kingdom lasts forever and his kingdom passes from generation to generation. I'm excited this year we've baptized six people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exciting. If you're looking for averages, that's one every two months. I know that's incredible math, but we figured it out. I'll be excited when we say we've got one for every month. And then I'll rejoice when we get to a couple for every month. And then before long, we'll have 52 people get baptized in a year, and we'll have one for every week. And then before long, you'll call me, and I'll just unlock the door, and you'll bring somebody in here, and you'll baptize them, and we'll have seven a week. His kingdom's always growing, amen? His kingdom's always expanding, amen? I celebrate the six that have been baptized so far this year in 2020. If you look at that, half of those were kids, children. And sometimes people look at, at that as, as a child just going through a, an action or making a, a decision that they heard stories about in Sunday school or whatever. Maybe, maybe they kind of overlook or discount the baptism of a child. But I get excited when kids get baptized. Because when some child gets baptized, we are fulfilling a mandate of his kingdom. If his kingdom's going to last forever, it's got to have people in it. And when we're baptizing children, we're putting the next generation into his kingdom. We're building his kingdom for the next generation. We're turning it over. We're passing it on to the next generation. I get excited when I see his kingdom passed from now to the next generation. His kingdom is most important. Psalms chapter 4 and 26. And Jesus went, into, went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. If you look at the life of Jesus in his ministry, his 33 years of ministry, you'll see that you can take everything that Jesus did and you can wrap it up into three different categories. You'll see that Jesus told people about his kingdom. That was his word. You'll see that Jesus met the physical needs of people. That was his miracles. And you'll see that Jesus taught others to do the first two. And that was his expectation. So we have his word, his miracles, and his expectation. And it's all about his kingdom. You look at Jesus and the list of things he did during his earthly ministry, you find that his kingdom was number one. The purpose he came was to bear witness of the truth. And the truth is this. His kingdom matters most. It's his kingdom where we find salvation for our souls. It's inside of his kingdom that we find deliverance from our vices. It is in his kingdom that we find peace for our eternity. And it's a part of his kingdom where we find the promise of heaven. Oh, if I want to find these things in my life, I've got to be a part of his kingdom. His kingdom is most important. If I can help you today to understand priorities in your life surrounding his kingdom... You understand, his kingdom matters more than any governmental system or nation of kingdoms in this world. It doesn't matter what the Democrats do or the Republicans or the independents or conservatives or liberals or however you want to divide the politics. It really doesn't matter what they do because it's an earthly kingdom and they'll war amongst themselves. But there's a kingdom that rises above the warring of our political stances. It's his kingdom. And his kingdom must 
be first in our life. It doesn't matter what you do with the kingdoms of entertainment, hobby, or pleasure. They all must be subject to his kingdom in our life. There's some things we do in life for pleasure. There's some things we do in life for entertainment. We have hobbies. We have things we are involved with in life. But those things must be a priority decision in our life. Number two or below. Because number one is Jesus. First and foremost is his kingdom. The priority in my life is his kingdom. Amen? Amen. And when it comes to the realm of the spiritual world, it must be his kingdom first in our lives. Don't get wrapped up in secularism. Don't get wrapped up in humanism. Don't get wrapped up in the things of this world. Yeah, the things that God's created are beautiful, but they all represent his majesty. They all represent his glory. Even the psalmist and the prophets wrote and said that all of his creation worships him and praises him. You don't need some superstitious power of a gym to help you be successful in this life. What you need is an infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's the spirit that will change your life. His kingdom matters most. He has spiritual dominion in all of the earth because his kingdom rules. It was so important, his kingdom, that Jesus preached about it. It was so important that he died to establish it. And it must be just as important for me to be aware and to make the conscious decision that yes, I will be in his kingdom. There's no part-time his kingdomers. You can't stand at the gate of his kingdom and jump in when you want and jump out when you want. You're either in his kingdom or you're out of his kingdom. As the old time preachers used to say, you can't straddle the fence. You're either in the field or you're out of the field. You're either in the fence or in the field or you're in the ditch. You're either a part of it or you're not in it. And if you're straddling the fence, you're not in it. So I'm going to challenge us today. Climb off the fence. Let his kingdom be priority in your life. If you don't know how to get off the fence, just fall inside the field. Just flop yourself over the fence and find your way into his kingdom and begin to crawl to the middle of everything God wants you to be a part of. Hey, the Bible tells us you can't serve two masters for either you'll love the one and hate the other. The Bible tells us his kingdom must be our highest priority. His kingdom must be first in our lives. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. His kingdom has to become first and highest in priority in our life. His kingdom is a powerful kingdom. In our world today, it's through much learning and education that people try to acquire earthly power. It's through the words of teachers and textbooks and blogs and videos that people heap upon themselves knowledge and perceived power. The church in Corinth was following this same pattern when it came to the authority and the rule in the church. But Paul had to make it plain to them. When he came to his next visit, he was not interested in the great oratory that could be pronounced and, and spoken over the pulpit. But rather, he wanted to see a power and demonstration. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not in word, little w, our words, but in power. I want to tell you today, we can come to church and we can have preaching. We can have people come in and speak and their words can be great and the words that they speak can motivate us and move us. But it's just in that moment. And we should live in those moments. We need those moments. We're saved by the preaching of the word. Don't, I'm not taking away from his word today. 
But we need more than just moments in his word. We need to be in the kingdom. We need to walk the streets of the kingdom. We need to eat at the restaurants in the kingdom. We need to buy and shop in his kingdom. What am I saying? His kingdom needs to become a part of our everyday life. I need to talk about him. I need to live him. I need to dream about him. I need to walk in his play, in his path. He needs to be an everyday part of my life. His kingdom is not just a religious institution managed by wordy rules, restrictions, and dictates. His kingdom is a supernatural kingdom. And it's ruled by the supernatural power. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of love, and the power of grace. It's through the power of love, grace, and His Spirit that the bondages of addiction can be broken. Broken relationships can be bound together. Forgiveness and the remission of sins is given to us. Relationship with God is restored and we're given into an eternal hope and promise with Him. It's through the power of His kingdom that we are protected and directed in our life. And it's by the power of His kingdom that heaven becomes an eternal reality for us. It's the power of His kingdom. His kingdom is a powerful kingdom. His kingdom is a holy kingdom. 1 Corinthians 5 and 50 says, Now this I say unto thee, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. It's not a corrupt kingdom. It's not a carnal kingdom. It's not a heathenistic kingdom. You know what carnality is? It's selfishness. Carnality is when our flesh rules. His kingdom is not a carnal kingdom. There is no flesh in his kingdom. The Bible here tells us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot make it to heaven in our goodness. We cannot live for God with our own flesh. But we must be surrendered and submitted to his holy kingdom. This means there is a devotion and a sacredness that exists in us when we become a part of his kingdom. He separates us. He calls us aside from carnality and the corruption of this world. These things can't exist in his kingdom. The holiness of the king and the honor of coming into the presence of a holy God demands that we too be pure and holy and righteous when we come before him. So we must remove our own personal agendas. We must remove hidden sin. We must get rid of ulterior motives in our life. Selfish purpose has to go aside. Pridefulness has to be humbled so that we can be a part of and enter into his kingdom. The splendor and the majesty of his holy kingdom commands the heart, the mind, and the soul of his subjects to be in complete devotion to the king. This doesn't make his kingdom exclusive. No, no, no. The door to the kingdom is open wide. Anybody that stops by the door and grabs the, the garment for the marriage supper is welcome in. But the one that comes in without the right garment on will be noticed. And they'll be asked to leave. We must understand his kingdom is a safe place. His kingdom is a pure place. His kingdom is a sanctified place. And all who enter must follow the plan that the king has set out for entrance into his kingdom. How safe would the kingdom be if there was no criteria for entering the kingdom? I think we get that. There's a process. There's a plan in place. You can't have sinners in the kingdom and proclaim the kingdom to be a sinless place. It's through this process that the kingdom is safe. It's through this process that the kingdom is pure. So when you enter into the kingdom, his kingdom, you don't have to fear. You don't have to have shame. 
You don't have to have anxiety because you are in his kingdom, the safest place in the world. It's a holy place, a pure place. So our insecurities, our deficiencies all become irrelevant when we enter his kingdom. Because only Jesus Christ rules in his kingdom. Stand with me this morning. We are coming to a close. His kingdom is unshakable. All it takes today is a random rumor that the kingdoms of this world begin to shake. All it takes today is one news report and then the news instantaneously flashes around the world on the internet and all the kingdoms of the world begin to shake. I'm telling you today there is a kingdom that is unshakable unstoppable his kingdom's not moving his kingdom's not going out of business his kingdom will never be overthrown by a rebel or a coup his kingdom is unshakable Lucifer tried to Lucifer tried to create a coup in heaven and scripture tells us he was kicked out and Lucifer fell like lightning to the earth so if you're looking for a sure place to put your confidence, if you're looking for a kingdom that's never going to end and has all power and all authority, you should look at the kingdom of God. You should look at his kingdom. He'll never let you down. As a matter of fact, he's always willing there to help you and to pick you up. Hebrews 28, or excuse me, 12 and 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I'm telling you today, you're a part of the greatest kingdom in all the earth. You're a part of the greatest kingdom in all the universe. You're a part of the greatest kingdom to ever exist. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.